I was always afraid when I sunk my father's garden trowel into the garden the next time that it would be hitting a rotting jewelry box from a prior funeral. If the turtles were all about the social rituals of death and public mourning, the fish I kept in the basement were a solitary pursuit. Every day after school, I'd go down and check on my two tanks in the basement. One of them held a transfixing assortment of neon tetras, zebras, angelfish, black mollies, swordtails, and at least one whiskered catfish busily vacuuming the colored gravel and silently rustling the plastic plant leaves. The other smaller tank where I kept guppies was more problematic. I always went there last, half dreading that one of my fragile, fantailed beauties would either have contracted some furry white fungus overnight or, as they often did with no warning, simply died and floated, swollen belly up to the surface. By the time I reached the seventh grade, I'd begun to lose interest in fish. My parents had to remind me to feed them. The tank walls grew thick scums and green algae, which I delayed cleaning until I could barely see signs of life behind them. One day, when my father was downstairs doing something at his basement workbench, he happened to notice how bad the tanks looked and threatened to drain them if I wouldn't keep them clean. How could we possibly have a dog and expect you to be responsible? My father asked if you can't even take care of a few guppies. I can still feel the sting of his scorn and disappointment and murky, guilt-laced anger it raised like a welt. Remembering it, I had to wonder what squalls of feeling stormed through Phoebe as she stared into that glass bowl beside her bed and wondered if a dog would ever replace it. Nibbler, the last of Phoebe's fish, lived the longest, well over a year. Our daughter continued to be a good caretaker. She fed Nibbler and changed his water and arranged for our neighbors, Pam and Cheryl, to look after him when we were gone. She wrote out long, detailed instructions and carried the bowl over to their house herself now that she was old enough to lift it. Phoebe also wrote a poem for a school assignment around that time, titled, My Wish. It began, Whenever I see a dog go by, I close my eyes and wish that I could have a dog of my own instead of just a fish. All those passing dogs, she continued a few lines down, look as if they've been invited to a party, and I wish they'd invited me. The poem ended with a resigned sigh of social responsibility. But then I think of those kids in countries that are poor, and I don't believe I would wish for anything more. Did you see this? I asked Sally. She nodded. I'm not sure if we should go out and get her dog tomorrow, I said, or award her the Nobel Peace Prize. Sally had a better idea. Let's get a bird, she said. I've been doing some reading. Lovebirds are supposed to be really gentle and have lots of personality. They'll sit on your finger and crawl up your arm and nuzzle your ear. She'd love that. They're kind of cute, too. Because it came out of nowhere, and because I tend to trust Sally's instincts and bow to her research, I immediately agreed. We told Phoebe, who was ten, at dinner that night. A fifth grader, she had learned to mask her feelings somewhat, while reading ours perfectly. I thought she was happy about the bird idea, but I also figured she must have seen it for what it was. A dog dream, once again, deferred by some other creature. That sounds great, she said, and dug her fork back into her spaghetti carbonara. Her taste in pasta, along with her skills at handling us, had grown more sophisticated over the years. We had to wait a few weeks for the shipment of lovebirds to arrive at the pet store Sally had chosen. We made several trips across town and spent a long time pointing at various very green birds 
all of whom looked alike to me, and let out identical piercing screeches. Phoebe finally settled on one who was boxed up like Chinese leftovers in a small white box. We took him home and released him into a spacious cage we'd set up in the dining room. Our new family member hopped around from one wooden perch to another for a while, pecked briefly at his cuddle stone, and landed on the swing. After a little more exploring, he wrapped his claws around two of the wire cage struts and stared at us out of one white-rimmed eye. Suddenly, frantically, he began thrusting himself up and down and up and down. It looks like he's doing push-ups, said Phoebe, who was standing back a few feet from the cage. To me, it looked more graphic than that. Is that the way lovebirds love each other?